Hi, thank you for listening to Season 2, Episode 1 of The Fix, where we give you education, solutions, and troubleshooting for the baseball pitcher, featuring sport kinesiologist Angel Borelli. I am your host, Joe Janish, publisher of OnBaseball.com, as well as MetsToday.com, which is part of ESPN's Sweet Spot Network. For those of you who are just joining us, uh, Angel Borelli is a specialist in the baseball pitching motion. She's worked with pitchers from the Little Leagues through the Big Leagues, and she's the author of the book Engineering the Pitching Elbow, which you can find on Angel's website, gymscience.com. We're going to get Angel on the line and kick off our Season 2. Hello, Angel. Are you there? I am. Hey, how are we doing? Uh, we're doing great. Excited to be getting the new season started. Yeah, I'm excited too, although I have to tell you, I'm looking out my window here in New York City, and I'm right on the East River, and all I can see is ice. I have glaciers of ice drifting across, and it really doesn't feel like baseball weather, but I imagine it's a little different in your neck of the woods. Oh, yes. I don't want to tell you because you'll be jealous, but it's definitely uh, gorgeous out here, So, and I guess that's why we have baseball in Arizona and Florida. Yeah, I I think it's a good idea to have baseball in in those areas yes. of the uh, country. Certainly not exactly. here. Um, so it's it's good that we're getting started now, though, because although here in my parts we don't have too much baseball happening, um, in other areas like in the west where you are and in the south, baseball starting up not only in the big leagues but also with youth leagues and little leagues and pony leagues and travel leagues and everything else. I'm sure there are some pitchers starting to get ready by you and oh absolutely you know yeah and and i and as we know this time of year is when most of the injuries happen i think you i think you're the person who pointed that out to me a couple of years ago um we we see more injuries now than ever right as, as opposed to the rest of the year yeah well last year it seemed that in the major leagues most of them that were on the dl at the end of the season got on it in the first few months of the season and uh it is definitely a time when there's a lot of injuries because there's not a lot of information out there about what pitchers should do and i'm talking mostly at a non-professional level what they should do to be ready for the season so i think this year when we're looking at the major leagues and we're watching spring training and the reports we're going to get a sense of if the pitchers themselves learned anything from last year you know watching their colleagues go down with injuries and if during the off season they handle things differently and we'll know that because we'll know if they're conditioned enough to handle their demands and of course on a non-professional level um for the clients that i work with you know i i see the trends and some of it's really good and some of it's unfortunately really bad especially in the lower age group pitchers where the fathers don't have the information, and so uh, two weeks before practice, uh, they start having, they want their kid to pitch, and they haven't even done flat ground throwing. So there's been a great deal of incidents about that. So I think it's going to be interesting to watch the professional pitchers to see what their trend is. Yeah, we can we can see, they, we can like take a lead for what's hap- from what's happening in the uh, the major leagues. You know, I'm glad you pointed out the injuries. Of, of the professional pitchers that are coming in, I did a really uh, rough count off just based on what's happening with disabled lists and this and that. You know, there are 28 
major league pitchers coming into spring training who are recovering from or out of action due to Tommy John surgery. That's that's mm-hmm. 28 pitchers who who finished last year on the disabled list and are beginning this year in recovery just from Tommy mm-hmm. John surgery. There's another right. four recovering from some other kind of elbow surgery, like a you know whether it was kind of a scope or or whatever it is. We got another two. Um, from recovering from elbow injuries that simply ended the year, but they didn't have surgery. Cliff Lee had a flexor pronator strain. Um, Masahiro Tanaka had a partially torn UCL. They're both coming into spring training. There's another four pitchers coming in after a shoulder surgery, another five recovering from non-arm injuries, such as the hips, the knee, the back. We have a lot of injured pitchers coming into spring training. And, you know, like you said, we can take a, we can take a peek at what, what they're going to be doing this spring and what they have been doing in the off season, but the the healthy pitchers need to do things in the off season as well. I mean, you know, all these injured pitchers probably had some kind of rehab, so they may or may not have been working in the winter, but the healthy pitchers need to work out too. So a question I have for you as we're entering this very dangerous part of the year, um, what are some of the, the things we can look for from, at least, you know, big league pitchers, but also, you know, youth league pitchers. What can we look for from pitchers to see if they've been doing the right thing over the winter or, or what kind of things, you know, should they be doing to start off this spring? You know, the first time they get on the mound, the first time they pick up a baseball. Mm-hmm. Maybe you can give us mm-hmm. some insight on on one, some of the things we need to look for for these right. pitchers who are starting out at all levels. Well, with the professional pitchers, we know that tons of injuries happen in season. And what you want to be watching for with the professional pitchers is watching them through spring training, and many of our listeners may even go to spring training. But really take a look at the way the major league teams are handling the bullpens during this month, the rest of February, and and March, before the games actually start, to actually get a sense of, if they're actually up to speed for the job they're going to have in April. So, and, and in terms of non-professional pitchers, like the pitchers I work with, which are dominantly high school and college, and then I have a group of youth pitchers, what you want to be doing right now, and it's not too late to play catch-up. I mean, uh, the games start for them in March. We've got, you know, a week left of February, maybe a week in March. But, for example... My pitchers on December 2nd started flat ground throwing for two weeks, and they were on the mound in the middle of December with increases in their pitch counts going from 25 to where they are now, which they're they're going full uh, inter-squad games, um, throwing 79 pitches. Some of them were up to 65. It was all systematic based on two bullpens a week and based on preparing and doing the right things in between their starts. So these guys are absolutely ready for their first game next week. And the coach couldn't be more happy. And, you know, one thing I just want to mention is I think everybody knows I have private clients, but College Park High School, actually Baseball America named them number one in the country, and they are going to the World Series in March. Yeah, it just came out today. And, of course, Joe Demers, their number one pitcher, is is going first round in June. He's been my client since he was 10. The school actually hired me as a as a coach to to as an injury prevention specialist and a pitching consultant 
to not just take the, their first three starters, which are all my clients, to the next level, but to take the rest of their pitching staff. So now what I've got are pitchers I have never worked with, but now I've controlled what they've been doing since September. And I'll tell you, there's no sore arms. It's fantastic. So having the systematic plan. Now I've had tons of youth fathers call me for appointments to have their child's pitching mechanics analyzed, and the kid hasn't even been pitching. He hasn't even played flat ground throwing. And for young pitchers, Two weeks isn't even enough to get their arms ready. So I had fathers calling me to have the appointments, and I had to say, no, they've got to hold off. They still have to do flat ground. I have fathers calling me saying my son's injured already. Well, what was his protocol? The deal is is that you have to have a systematic plan. And I have actually had fathers who, once they have this information, have now said to the coaches, guess what? My son's behind schedule. He cannot pitch the first week. He just got done flat ground throwing, and now he's going to be working on 25 pitches or 15 pitches, depending on his level, and then working up to a pitch count where you could say, hey, he's ready to go in the game. So the most critical thing right now to look for is, with the major leaguers, if they're throwing 25 pitches, you know, a week, and now it's the third week of March in the first game, I think that you're going to wonder how they're going to throw 79, 80, 100 pitches. If you've got a youth pitcher right now and he's got practices for Little League, the game starts somewhere in March. If your son hasn't spent three to four weeks flat ground throwing up to his pitching distance minimally, and most of them are position players, so they have to go, you know, with whatever distance is required. If you don't do all that training before he starts pitching, you're going to have a problem sooner rather than later. So you're better off saying, "Uh uh-oh, he's not ready. Let's continue on with flat ground. Let's tell the coach he's not going to be ready or he's only ready for one inning. You have to make those decisions right now. It's not too late to evaluate this uh, because what will happen is you think he can pitch, and then after three weeks he'll have an injury. And we really need to watch what's happening. Yeah. You know, you said that you're – so they have their first game next week, you said? I think March 3rd, uh, March, uh, yeah, I think March 3rd is their first scheduled game. Actually, I'm going to walk to the schedule uh, as we're uh, talking. But, yes, actually, they've been doing scrimmages and, uh, you know, tryouts for two weeks ago, and my guys are all up to 79. And I take them to 79 in a bullpen, and then the rest actually happens, um, you know, as they go through the season. So, uh, yeah, they're very well prepared, and the coach couldn't be happier. Okay, I just want I just want to kind of illustrate a time frame for everyone who's listening. So, the the day we're talking today is it's February 24th, 2015. First game is March 3rd. You said that you started right. your pitchers with their program in December. December 2nd. On December 2nd. Now, th- now these are the pitchers that work with me. And and also by this time, I was hired last September, so I was working with some of the pitchers in the off season on what they should be doing, um, you know, in the gym, et cetera. So yes, on December second, the guys started throwing at four, at forty five feet, and they went from volumes of fifty to seventy five throws, and they did that more than one time. They did it two to three times. At sixty, they did the same thing. 
50 throws, and then 75 throws. When they got on the mound, they started week by week. And the way that I do it is I build a really good foundation. I stall them in the middle. Then we get higher pitch counts. And then I take high and low pitch counts and undulate it throughout the weeks. So, yes, in order to have accomplished, and we were right on time. We started December 2nd. So if you've got a son or a team that hasn't followed some sort of protocol that started that soon, somewhere you've got to make up something. So you've got to figure out, you've got to make sure they're not throwing when they're not conditioned for it. They need to be conditioned for their volumes because tissue changes. For example, even my best pitchers, you know, and even these guys that are, are so, so great, they tell me when they got to 45, they had to hold up there for three bullpens instead of two. Because when they threw 39, they felt totally great. One day recovery, cool. And that is the guideline for 39 pitches for anybody 17 or 18 or over. When they hit 45, which is six pitches, they said, wow, I could really tell I threw those extra six pitches. I want to stay here. So everything I do is based on what applying the rules of science mixed with the feedback. So December 2nd, so any major league pitcher and what they could do for spring training, and this is what I do with professional pitchers, I start them on the schedule. Here we are at February. They condition their arm to 60, 70 pitches. Then they can go back down and start throwing 30 and 40 pitches and then build back up again and peak for April, have April be when they're they're really ready. So they don't have to worry, oh, you know, we're going up too soon. No, you go up and you come down. But you do all this based on the schedule. And then you know you're conditioned. And if any problems come up when they're not facing hitters, you've got time to fix it. See, that's the best friend you have is the time you have to fix the problem without the guy knowing he's got to face hitters the next day. Right. That's that's a good point. You know, I, w- I want to do a little quick math. So December 2nd, so you did four weeks in December. You got another four weeks in January. That's eight weeks. Now we're into, you know, we're into our third, our third mm-hmm. week of February. So now we've got four, eight, 11. So you, you've trained these pitchers now. You've gotten them ready over 12 weeks before they're going mm-hmm. into a game. So that's, right. those are amateurs. I, I just want right. to point out that, um, I want to point out that Major League Spring Training just started about a week ago, uh, mm-hmm. February, around February 17th, 18th, 19th, where when pitchers and catchers started. So they've got right. two weeks in February and then four weeks in March. So that's six weeks. Hey, <laughs> that's a little exactly. different from your schedule. That's, that's much exactly. different from your schedule. Exactly. So, so the tissue, yeah, the tissue's not prepared for what their load may be the first week of April. And either that, wow. or they're going to have to rush, rush it. And you see, the key to this conditioning is you a- apply the load of the pitch count, but then you get the appropriate recovery between that, the appropriate rest days. So you're coming back to the mound with an arm that's completely rested and the tissue is completely healed because there is micro damage that goes on. And the word damage being used more on a cellular level than like on a dangerous level, it's just a normal part. It's the same thing that happens in training. 
So the deal is when it's systematic is they you load it, you completely recover, they come back stronger. You load it, they completely recover, you come back stronger. If you don't get that rest in between, you come back strong, you come back less strong, you come back less strong, boom, the ligament's shot because the muscle's not recovered. And the muscle's job is to protect the ligament. So if you're in spring training and you're behind, you are going to bump up your volume. And my guys increased by five, no more than five pitches a week, which is about a little more, about 10% until you get to the higher level. But they didn't go jumping from 59 to 79. And these are guys that are well-trained and they're in the gym with me as well. So the guys that train, they were able to jump sometimes six pitches, but... Uh, definitely uh, it's got to be systematic and and the recovery time has to be built into the program. Wow. So there's, there's something I want to, I want to point out Um, for many, many years, you know, I'm, I'm kind of an old school guy. And a lot of times we, you know, we've seen injuries to pitchers, major league pitchers in April in the early months of the season, uh, very often in the Northeast here where I live. And that's, very often been blamed on the cold weather, but now that you're telling me about how long it takes, how long it should take to get a pitcher's arm ready, I'm starting to think that maybe some of these pitchers who like blow out their arm in the first week of April or the second week of April and they blame it on, you know, the, the cold temperatures or going from, you know, the nice warm Florida weather to the, to the cold weather in Minnesota or New York or wherever it is, I'm starting to think that maybe it had more to do with just not enough preparation among other possibilities mm-hmm. rather than just, you know, being out in the cold and, you know, blowing your arm out because you were, you were in cold weather because that was always uh, something that was pointed out when people got hurt this early in the season. Mm-hmm. Indirectly, maybe the weather keeps them from throwing, but I don't know if you know uh, the Bay Area weather, and we go, we had weeks and weeks. Well, we had a dry spell. But when it started raining, it was pouring, and we didn't skip a beat. We went indoors. You know, we rented mounds indoors. They didn't miss bullpens. The guys who were still on flat ground still got it in. You have to get it in. It's their job to get it in. And if they don't, they get held up at their prior step. And that does happen. Life does happen. But you don't just, oh, I skipped it, so now but I'm now I'm going to do the scheduled uh, pitch count. No, you have to drop it back. So... Um, yes, that's why baseball guys, you know, tend to go to school out here because it doesn't interfere as much. But it's, the job still has to get done if the schedule is the same. You know, unless they're going to alter when the first game is, you still have to get the preparation done. And, um, yeah, so it's critical. And, yes, what you when you did your little math, um, yeah, you wonder, and here's what I think. What I'm hoping is that we're going to see healthy pitchers, and then I'm going to have an intuitive sense that the pitchers finally are getting smart and they're starting to act more independently as independent contractors. And in the off season, they were preparing themselves so they can come and do their job really well because they've got to do their job really well regardless of what they did in the off season. So given, I'm hoping they all sat around and said, hey, you know what, we need to just take, you know, take, take the bull by the horns and actually start to really take better care of ourselves. We'd have a lot better performance. We'd have better fun with baseball. We'd have a lot less injuries if pitchers started doing that without, of course, violating and disrespecting their employers. But there's a you know a way to do that. Everybody wants the pitchers to be healthy. Right. I, and I think part of it is just understanding that what they're 
what they're doing or not doing may be is maybe the thing that could be hurting them. I, you know, I think a lot of pitchers they just do what they're told to do, whoever tells them to do it, and maybe they're just not getting the most information that they could get to get themselves ready for the season. I, I mean, that sounds like it's, it's part of the problem too. Well, what's um, interesting to me is and um, uh, USA Baseball has guidelines for how much rest you need uh, be tr- after X number of pitches. USA Baseball is a dominant factor in the world of baseball. When the ASMI came out with this website they have called Pitch Smart, where people can go and get the information you hear me talking about, Major League is on there supporting this. So we've got the, the and ASMI has it has the same recovery guidelines as USA Baseball because they sit on the board. So here we are in high school, my guys, and listen, the coach comes to me and says, so how many pitches is going to throw tomorrow? When during the training period, because when they had scrimmages, he wanted to honor where the kids' arms were at because do you think that a school wants to injure a guy who, we've got seven guys going to D1s in the fall, and Joe is slated number one in California, number 11 in the country, number 28 first round. Do you think he wants an injury to happen to him? Not just for many reasons, but because this kid's worked hard. So so we're honoring the guidelines. So he throws 79 pitches the other day. He's taking three days recovery. Now, in the major leagues, if a pitcher throws 79, he's on the pen doing a bullpen two days later. Well, the tissue's not healed. If Joe throws 79 on Sunday, he's not penning until Thursday. In the major leagues, he'd be on the mound not only on Tuesday, doing a soft or a hard side, and then doing another side the next day. Now, tell me and explain to me why we take the kids and we follow the rules that major league now is saying they're kind of a part of because they're part of this website. Yet they're not giving the the major league pitchers enough recovery, and they're doing this possibly after a kid comes out of high school, gets in the minors, and he's had that recovery, and now all of a sudden he doesn't. So to me, that's where I want the emphasis to be this year, about you know rather than it being about they shouldn't throw so many pitches or uh, you know why are they getting so injured? Tissue has got to heal and somewhere someone has to start to honor this and this isn't anything I'm making up the guidelines for USA Baseball which you know it's right there in black and white and they actually are the guidelines when minor leaguers are home and they're working with me we follow them and they have great performance so it's not like it's um, you know obsolete rules and also, the world of science knows what tissue looks like after X number of days of rest uh, versus the amount of load that was put on it. And so the science world has looked at it and said, whoa, this tissue is still really, you know, adulterated after 48 hours, so it needs more rest to recover. And every sport has that kind of science going on within it. Um, so... I think that that's where the the emphasis needs to be if we really want to see change. But with that being said, let's do it at the non-professional level. Let's at least keep the kids' arms healthy, honor the rules, and control yourself if you're a coach from having your best pitcher throw two days in a row because he's your best pitcher. 
Right. Yeah, I, th I think that's I think that's going to be our our theme over over and over. We're going to beat that drum this year. Is is recovery, 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 recovery. It's um, you know, we, we like you said the everything we hear about is about pitch counts and pitch counts and innings limits and this and that and um, it's not it's not getting any better. You know, if you look back 25 years and you know pitchers threw more innings threw more pitches now they're throwing less and they're getting hurt more so clearly the major leagues have not figured out what the problem is and i can tell you firsthand that from uh from people that i've spoken to major leagues routine has not changed they it's like you said they for the last 30 40 years pitcher throws you know on on day one throws the 80 to 100 pitches 120 pitches and then they're back they're throwing a bullpen you know two days later um and I, I don't know why that that routine just hasn't changed i don't know why they haven't recognized that the arm needs rest but we're we're going to keep beating the drum on rest and recovery here at yeah. at the fix um we're going to yeah. get into it even more be, just so that you know maybe if the major leaguers aren't going to do the right thing at least we can help the the kids and the youth and the parents and the coaches at the amateur levels, you know, know what they're supposed to do and, and we'll point them in the right directions and show them the right charts and we'll get into all of that this season. Um it's gonna be exciting as we as we change the way people look at how pitchers should be training and, and recovering. Mm -hmm. Um yes. so, so what do you, what do you think has been you know, you've started working with some pitchers over the last few weeks and you've been talking to a lot of parents what would you say is the biggest mistake that you've seen so far in early in, in this preseason? Well, with the youth pitchers, the biggest mistake is uh, the parents are looking at their kids as young kids having fun. So in the off season, they put them in another sport. And the other sports usually go till February 15th. And then they want their child to uh, start getting ready for pitching. And sometimes they're calling in the middle of their, their other sports season to do it. And I won't work with pitchers while they're on another in another sport because the poor kid never has time to really recover from what he's doing and give time to his skill. So not thinking through the schedule when if a kid has to be ready for uh, games in March and his other sport stops at the middle of February, when do you actually have the time to condition the arm. So you have to let the coach know he's going to be a late arrival on the roster and or consider what sports you're putting him in so that maybe he picks a sport that's done sooner. So that's the biggest mistake. The second biggest mistake I saw is parents putting their child in basketball thinking it's really great they're playing another sport, which Dr. Andrews himself has said, have him play another sport. Well, Dr. Andrews isn't a sports training, you know, expert, so he's making a solid recommendation, meaning give the arm rest. Well, you're not resting your pitching arm when you're playing basketball. And so the shoulder becomes fatigued, and when they start to throw, they are not coming with the fresh arm. So the second mistake is not giving the kid enough time to recover from the sport he just played. Let him re-energize himself. Let him eat some food. Let him get some rest. Let him have a day where he's, you know, being a kid. And, and, and this, this needs to be scheduled in so that when you start the throwing program, you start it fresh. So that's the biggest mistake I saw on the youth level. On the high school level, kids returning to the field, 
for practices and tryouts and the coaches not realizing, not inquiring enough as to what they did in the off season, sometimes not having an off season plan where they're building up the pitch counts and expecting the kids to get on the field. And you know in high school they play a lot of double positions. So you might have a pitcher who's an outfielder and then moving the kids back in distance to two hundred and eighty feet on the first day. And now you've got six, seven kids complaining about sore arms. So coaches that are going more on some plan that they have as opposed to saying, hey, Jimmy, how far can you throw today? And, hey, what did you do in the off season?" Or having a plan that they send out in December and say, hey, we want you to start doing 45 feet, 60 feet. Baseball does not start when practices start. You have to be ready for it. So that's the biggest error that I see um, that I saw coming in this season. And I had to go in and do a lot of repair work, do a lot of education, made a lot of fathers mad because I said, I can't work with your son till he's, you know, done his flat ground throwing because he has to pitch for me. I've got to film his pitching. Uh, but in the end, parents thanking me. So those are the biggest errors that I see at this time of the year. And also, thinking you can change your kids' mechanics three weeks before the first game. This cannot be done. It has to be done when the child himself is not thinking about showing up because they don't look at the practice season as a non-competitive season, especially at a younger age. If they're out there, they're trying to bring it. And you don't change mechanics on especially a youth pitcher or someone young and especially a really good pitcher at the last second. So people have got to start thinking in December about their child if they, you want them to be a healthy baseball player. And I don't think there's enough emphasis on that. And it has to be planned year. You, you start your planning. I mean, it's a 12-month-ahead deal. I don't care what month you're in. You have to know what you're going to be doing. So to me, that's the biggest error I saw this year is not thinking ahead not and people not inquiring enough. Each pitcher should be dealt with personally. When your team shows up, you just don't say, here's what we're doing. You say, hey, what, what have you been doing? Have you been pitching? And also this idea that you pitch only in games, this is another thing with them having pitch only once a week. Pitchers need to pitch minimally twice a week, and at the beginning when they start with their 25-pitch bullpen for a you know a high school kid, this is going to be a one-day recovery. My guys throw at the low volumes for frequency. They go, will go twice a week, then three times a week, then twice a week again. When they're at low volumes, once they get up 39, they're going twice a week. But this way, you start to really embed training and conditioning without stress. And so that lack of planning to allow that to happen is the is one of the big errors, thinking that if they pitch once a week, they're going to get in condition. No, it just doesn't happen. So those are the errors that I think right now are good to talk about because even though this is in February, you can jump on it right now. And for a lot of young kids, the first game isn't until the end of March. You could start right now looking at, uh-oh, where did I screw up and how can I straighten this out? And don't be afraid to say to the coach, 
my kid is ready only for one inning because his arm is not conditioned for more pitches. And I think people have to start to consider that. And then by the time April comes in, in May, you don't have injured arms and you have a kid that's playing full blown. Yeah. Those are, those are really great points. And, um, you know, th- these are all things that I'm sure other people are seeing as well. I'm sure you're not the only one. And, you know, we're just starting the season, and with, with season two of The Fix, we're going to get into this even more in our next episode. Um, I wanted to talk about I wanted to talk about velocity, but I don't want to do that yet. I think we need to focus on recovery in our first episode, and I don't want people to get too far ahead with the the cart in front of the horse, so to speak. So. Well, I want no. I want to bring up velocity because I think what I want to do is have a section on velocity, which is a little bit different than what people might think. Like, yes, I agree, people shouldn't be thinking about throwing hard, but the whole point of velocity is that it's not something you go after. It's something that's a product of other things. And right now is an important time to start because some a lot of kids still have six weeks left before their first game. So I do want to have. I do want to discuss. Actually, every week I want to bring up a topic that's related to velocity, which is going to possibly be a different perspective than what people are thinking, just like yourself, when you thought, hey, we don't need to talk about throwing hard right now. Well, we need to talk about the things that are efficient in the body that produce velocity. And I think what this will help people do is start to understand that they don't have to run around all over buying things, getting them in classes that say, oh, we're going to improve velocity. Velocity is a product of the body moving correctly, and there are many, many things that, deep issues that are related to um, velocity. So I do want to bring up, to me, one of the, a very important issue, which is something everyone can start to look for right now. So can we do that? It'll take just a few minutes. Wow. I stand corrected, and shame on me. Um. Yes, you do. Yeah, well, because I want, I'm serious about these kids uh, staying safe this year. And I'm also serious about the parents and the coaches starting to understand this word velocity, just like the, just like you were wanting to pull away from it because you wanted everything. It, it's got this aura around it, like velocity. we got to go get it. we got to find it. we got to do this to have it. Wait, right under your nose are things that are important. And so I want to start with something that I want everyone to look at. When you're looking at your pitchers, when the pitchers are doing bullpens, stand to the side of them, and this is one of the first things, and this is something that can get handled now before their first game. And once the games start, and listen, velocity is important. When the scouts go out and look, I don't care who says velocity is not important. The guy who can locate is great. But the guy with the velocity, and if you're locating and you're not throwing hard, they're going to say, well, you need your velocity to go up. So everyone's talking out of both sides of their mouth. So let's talk about some of the things that your body can do that will help you throw harder right away and you don't have to do anything extra. So I want everyone to stand to the side of their pitcher. And one of the uh, one of the rules is, everyone knows this, you've got to release the ball close to the plate. And so a a philosophy came out, well, then you must have to have the longest stride possible. And then even percentages came out. Yeah, oh, you've got to have a stride that's this percentage. Well, 
all of those things are ridiculous because you can't do percentage because you don't know if somebody's got a long upper body and short legs. So you can't do that. Also, as you anybody's heard me say who listens to our programs, you've got to be able to manage the stride. So here's what I want everyone to know. You have to get the hand as close to the plate as possible on release, not the foot. If the foot goes too far out in front of you, meaning your stride is too long, your knee will be forced to straighten, and it will do that before you actually brought your weight over your front foot, your stride foot, which means that your release point will be probably 6 to possibly 12 inches further back than what it would be if your stride were manageable and you were able to get your shoulders over your front foot. So when you look at a pitcher who strides out and then his knee pulls backwards and straightens backwards towards the rubber, just as he's going forward, that body controls the arm. The arm moves backward. And so the release point isn't as close. So I want everyone to get into their heads this year. You want the hand close to the plate, not the foot. If your trunk tilts over the front foot properly, your shoulders will be out in front of your foot. Your arm, therefore, will be reached out in front, and therefore your hand will be closer to the plate. And if you don't believe me, go home and experiment using a mirror and you know, start to release your arm and then straighten your leg backward and you will see your hand move backward. The whole body pulls backward so the hand comes with it. This is an experiment. It's something that when I've shown pictures this, they are blown away. So I want everyone now, you still got time to work with this, make sure that your pitcher's got his hand releasing as close to the plate as possible not pulling backwards. His belt buckle, therefore, would be about over the middle of his foot if you drew a line straight from it. If he's doing it wrong, when you draw a line straight down, when you see his belt buckle, it'll be about six six inches behind his front heel. That's the way you know if the stride is working to help you release closer to the plate. And guess what you get from the exact same ball the exact same pitch if you release closer to the plate. You get miles per hour, thus you get velocity. So the key is get out of your own way with diminishing your velocity. Make your body produce efficient motion, and then the velocity goes up by itself. And that's today's point on velocity. Wow. Well, that was amazing. And that's something that everyone can go out and start working on today. It has nothing to do with... (laughs) Exactly. That's fantastic. Well, Angel... (laughs) You know I I wouldn't correct you unless it was important, right? So I hope you took it. You took took one for the team, Joe, and I appreciate that. (laughs) Absolutely. Anytime, anytime. This this has been a great lesson today. Um, So we're just about out of time. I uh, wish I could go on, but we're going to be back on the air next week talking about more more ways to prevent injuries and increase performance and increase velocity. Uh, Angel, thanks so much for your time today. If uh, those of you want to learn more about Angel and what she does with pitchers, you should visit gymscience.com. 
Uh, she has a lot of great free information on pitching mechanics and injury prevention. She also has her book, Engineering the Pitching Elbow, which is uh, full of strength and conditioning exercises specifically for the elbow. I recommend that highly. Again, that's gymscience.com, G-Y-M-S-C-I-E-N-C-E.com. More about free, if you want to learn more about me, you can visit metstoday.com or onbaseball.com, or you can follow me on Twitter at onbaseball. Thanks again for listening. We hope you learned a little bit. I know I did. And uh, we wish you safe and effective performance on the pitching mound. 